Welcome to Grit, Guts, and Determination, the Leadville Race Series podcast. I'm your host, Cole Clover, son of race founder, Ken Clover. And I'm going to take you on a journey of rich storytelling through our now 40-year rich history. And I invite you to sit back and listen to these eccentric stories. But don't forget to take a few notes along the way because these eccentric stories are going to have tricks and tips to get you to that line come summer. So sit back, enjoy, and then we'll see you at home. We'll see you in Leadville. Leadville family, I've got a treat for you in a part two episode today with my favorite pro skier across the valley, Drew Peterson. Uh, We met with Drew earlier this year. Uh, This is his uh, coming back after having successfully run a sub-25 Leadville Trail 100 run trying to produce a ski movie at the same time and uh, if you're a potential sponsor that would have any interest in giving Drew some help getting this production to life uh, please pay attention to Drew's notes his website and it has his contact info there he could use the help okay without further ado please enjoy this very fun but very uh, deep touching conversation with Drew Peterson. Okay Drew when we last spoke Leadville had found you but the Leadville Trail 100 run has now found you a newer trail runner with a very lofty sub 25 hour goal and now that you have experienced that Leadville Trail 100 run what can you say about the experience? Was it anything like you had expected? Uh, um, too much to capture in one answer for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, we're gonna the, slowly unpack that. the The experience was a was what I hoped it to be. It was it was everything good and bad, and I got the full breadth of the experience. It was definitely an opportunity and it lived up to my, you know, what I had in my mind of living out a childhood dream. It, it was as hard as I wanted it to be. I struggled. I did some things well. I did some things really bad. I learned a lot and I got to go explore some really, uh, you know, deep parts of myself. Um, and I got to have fun and I got to celebrate my connection to the mountains around Leadville. So yeah, the experience was what I hoped it to be. I think that might possibly be the best answer I've ever heard on that. And like I said, we are going to slowly unpack all of that from the good to the bad and the ugly. Um, so, Hey, like what was your race morning like? Did you have a routine? Do you have a, a routine whenever you're doing your other day job, which we'll get to, that you tried to bring into this? What did you try to eat, and and what did that look like? Honestly, um, despite my best intentions, um, I was like still in a rush, um, and. Uh, yeah, maybe had too much on my plate the day before and the night before and then the morning of. So um, it wasn't like the most beautiful wake up and 
you know, go through an hour of my morning routine. It was more like, all right, wake up. Let's get a little food, some hydration, and let's go fucking do this. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, I also, like, I got to the line just, like, a little bit late. And so I snuck in from the front instead of from the back. Um which like is uh, is a move for far more elite trail runners than me, um, so that was kind of funny. Um, but you know, as soon as as soon as I started running, it was just you know, what I had been feeling for a long time. At that point, was that once I started running, then I only had one job to do, and you know, it was nice to just settle in and focus on running a hundred miles <laughs> very good but hey i gotta correct you a little bit there and it's a little bit of a spoiler alert but <clears throat> i mean you did finish that run quicker than i ever have and you have one of those big buckles i do not have and so i think if you want to sneak under the front of that line right before the race it's perfectly fine with us <laughs> well okay so you're in town, you're a little late, the race is about to go off. What kind of vibes were you feeling on that start line? I mean, it is 4 a.m., like you said, you know, you kind of, you know, to be up with an hour before that, you're talking like 2 a.m., and that's not going to happen. So what was that starting line vibe like? Yeah, um, I was definitely feeling the early wake-up, which, like, wasn't the best way to, like, start feeling the day. Um, and I, um, I don't drink much caffeine, um, in my day-to-day -day life. Um, I do in the mornings, but I really try to limit my caffeine intake, mm -hmm. um, and cut it off by noon. So my strategy going in was to not take on any caffeine until the back half of the race and like use it as a reserve, you know, like have it as the backup. Uh -huh. And um, so I skipped caffeine that morning, which um, in hindsight was a mistake. Um, it probably would have helped my digestive system because I'm used to at least, you know, one cup of tea. Mm -hmm. um, and it probably would have woken me up a little bit more. So, like, <laughs> I was I was pretty, like, just, like, I was just, like, happy to get to run. Yeah. Um, and then... I guess there are, there are a couple components. So like one of the things, and we can get into this separately is, um, I was also working on a film project, uh -huh. um, which, um, took a lot of orchestration and producing beforehand. Um, but then like once I was running, like the film project was not my job. It was, um, everyone else's. Um, but that was definitely stressing me out. Right. And, um, it, I, I guess it's just good to say that out loud and admit that that was stressing me out a bit. Not like because of the pressure that comes with it, but just like because of the logistics and I wanted to get things dialed before I, you know, started running and just handed that off to the team. But um, so I think that might have contributed. And then I just got like, I got way too caught up in the energy of the start. And I just, um, despite like literally every single person telling me and me telling myself, like, hundreds of times to not go out too fast i went out too fast <laughs> which is a which is a notorious leadville move i know um 
but um, I think a lot of that was just getting caught up in the energy of, you know, the gun at the start line and, um, uh-huh. you know, maybe me sneaking in from the front of the line had me around too many people that were running fast too. Well, I mean, it, you know, hey, it it seems like it worked out pretty good for you. I've done the same thing and it had a very different effect on my race. <laughs> I mean, it definitely it definitely had a negative effect on my race overall, but I like I uh I survived that mistake, you know. Okay, yeah, we'll definitely un- unpack that and like kind of where I'd like to start is here. Um what I'd love for you to do now, and I realize this is going to take a good bit of time, but I'd love for you to uh, take us through your entire race. I mean, we've we've talked about the pre-race vibe energy. We've talked about the start, but, you know, that gun goes off. Take us through the day start to finish and, you know, also tell us a little bit about this film project. All right. Another small question there, Cole. <laughs> <laughs> this is the um, meat, of, meat of this thing on this one, Drew. <laughs> yeah. You know, honestly, I just like first I have to thank you for having this conversation because this is already very fun and it's going to be really fun to get to revisit a lot of this because it's December now and I've been, you know, I've been very busy with some other things in my life. And it's going to be really fun to just revisit all these memories, and it already is. So thank you for that. Well, and um, thank you. And, and, I mean, same for me. I remember seeing you sneak under that tape and hugging you at the finish and everything in between. So, so oh, humbly, we'll, we'll, thank you. We'll get to that the finish. We'll get to the hug that we got to share together. Um, you know, from the, from the beginning, definitely, you know, kind of a, a little bit of a hectic start, but, um, it really did feel good to just start running. Um, and, and then as I realized, like, okay, I think I'm going out too fast. Um, but then I was like, honestly, like, I feel fine. Like, I feel like this is a good pace. And I was like, all right, you know, what would be the right move here is start talking to people, make sure that I'm like still in the, you know, uh, effort level where I can talk and hold a conversation. Uh Um, so I met, I met some cool people right from the beginning. Um, yeah. Um, I, I connected with Lindsay. I forgot her name, but she got third and she's awesome and a total badass. And I met her the day before and we ran a bunch of that first section together, which was really fun. Yeah. Uh, and then coming into May queen, like, again, I knew this was going to happen, but like the, the, um, the only, the only ultra I've ran in a race before that though was another hundred miler. Um, I am tough in McCall, Idaho the year before. Uh-huh. Um, that stands for Idaho mountain trail ultra festival. Um, which I just like to share cause I think it's a cool acronym. They have <laughs> sure. up there, but it's like, yeah. Um, but it's, it's, uh, it's a way more down home and grassroots race than Leadville. Um, just less people. Mm-hmm. So like when I got to May Queen, like I knew it was coming, but wow, I was like amazed by the number of people there and the energy and the number of headlamps. <laughs> um, and yeah, I just tried to move through there quickly. Um, I like, I lost like where my crew was in there. Um, I, I didn't find them <laughs> at first. <laughs> 
Um, so, you know, just like the the little kinks that are, you know, good to get out of the way at the beginning. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, but honestly, like, at that point, I was like, okay, you know what? Actually, I think my pace is really good because my effort's been really good. And then, um, oh, another thing, um, actually, that's kind of funny is, like, um, I went into I went into the race feeling really good. I had an amazing summer of training. I was feeling really strong. Um, I put a, a bigger emphasis on continued strength work uh-huh. um, through all of my training this year. So just like I've, I've dealt with uh, a litany of old injuries and surgeries from skiing. And so like just like keeping up on my body in all regards. But like one of my, you know, just like probably like the most – like nagging thing I have in my body actually is like a weak right foot and ankle uh most nagging in that it's like the most prevalent not that it's the most annoying or painful um and like literally like two miles into the race my right foot just like was screaming at me and I was like no 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 come on no no not today like, did I not strength keep up on strength work on my foot like enough through my taper? Like, oh dear, here we go. Um, and then it just totally went away. Like right after May Queen. Okay. Like once we got on the Colorado Trail, like my foot felt great. And like I was like, oh sweet, good. And what was awesome about that was like after it made me like, oh, come on. Like, I don't want to do 98 miles of this. Um, it never came back. It never all. hurt again. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, all right. And, and you know, that's, uh, I guess that's one of the lessons that we'll get into in more of this stuff. Um, but just the, <laughs> the impermanence of ultra running is, mm-hmm. is a big part of what my lead belt was, was just, that when you have anything go wrong, like it's always going to change. Like no matter, like uh, honestly, like a huge theme of my race and something I kept telling myself and kept telling my crew was that no matter how bad things get, they're always going to get better. And no matter how good things get, they're always going to get bad again. And yes. like that's <laughs> ultra running. Uh, and you know that's life so like my foot started feeling good which was awesome um it was nice when we started getting a little bit of you know dawn glow Uh after i came through may queen and um i i kept my headlamp because i just like didn't want to you know like trip or roll an ankle on that ct section but um getting to turn off the headlamp and just like settle into it um, on the Hagerman Pass Road was yeah. really nice. Um, I had a good effort going up that side. Um, and then went down uh, went down power line on the descent um, pretty quickly. Oh, also a funny thing is during the summer um, when I would run the Hagerman Pass Road in training, yeah. uh, there's like this really sick... Um, like field of wildflowers up there and I've taken a liking to snacking on columbines, um, <laughs> which, which I'm, the internet has now told me is illegal. Yeah. I'm um, not hearing any of this right now, Drew. <laughs> so 
the, for the record, that's never happened. But the Columbines <laughs> weren't the Columbines weren't in bloom during the race. So if I had ever eaten one before, I didn't eat one during during the race. But um, <laughs> um, hopefully, I don't get in trouble. You know, hopefully, State oh. Patrol doesn't come knocking on my door for a flower. But anyhow, uh, we've been good supporters of the sheriff up there. I think, I think we got a <laughs> word I can put in for you. All right. <laughs> um, I, uh, but then I went down power line and I went down power line faster than the people around me, um, which like I didn't want to blow up my quads on that descent, but it felt like going slower was like straining my quads. Uh-huh. Um, so I like went down that pretty fast. Um, don't know if that contributed to my feeling my quads later in the race, but um, yeah, made it to um, outward bound. Um, you know, feeling pretty good. I made it there under my time goal which at that point I had realized like, okay, maybe I went out too fast cause I was too far under my time goal coming into outward down. Okay. Um, and one of the guys on my crew was like, yo, drill. Like he just kind of like asserted himself. He's like, yo, slow down. Um, and his name's Teague and I really appreciate him. Um, and I really appreciated him being there cause he's a wise voice. So, um, that was good to hear. Um, and I was starting to struggle a little bit, um, digestion wise. Um, uh-huh. And so, um, so then I came out at outward bound, just, you know, really slowing down, um, both out of needing to like mellow my pace, but also, um, starting to pay for a first you know, a fast first marathon of the race. Um, and yeah, um, that next stretch, um, especially the stretch from like, uh, from like half pipe, um, you know, through that Colorado trail section before getting down to twin lakes was when I really started to struggle. Okay. I've been there in that same spot struggling away. So yeah. now even even uh, with the mindset you have, that still feels pretty defeating uh, going through those feelings that early. Did you feel like that was something that was going to live with you all day? Did you have any concern about your mental ability to continue or, you know, you were just in motion? Yeah, there are, you know, there are a few things, like, I guess also it's good for me to just, like, admit a couple of the things that I did wrong. Um, one, I think, was the caffeine piece, and then two, um, got a little off on my electrolyte and water balance, mm-hmm. um, ended up, when I thought I was low on salt, I ended up putting on putting in too much salt and then that angered my stomach. And then also like my go-to food is potatoes. Yeah. Um, and, um, I cooked, 
I cooked one batch of potatoes at home before coming over to Leadville and then cooked the second batch at the Airbnb, but they didn't have a full size oven. Oh. Um, and I either didn't cook them enough or cooked them too much. But then um, me and my crew had mixed those together with the original batch. So like half the potatoes that I had on me were bad. Oh. And I think eating too many of those like just torched my stomach. And I was like, just like bloated. And like, I was like, you know, frustrated for sure with a lot of those mistakes. Uh-huh. Uh, and definitely like let myself um, just, I guess just, you know, a lack of mental fortitude, definitely let myself think some negative thoughts around, you know, messing up as kind of being a little bit too harsh on myself. And, you know, especially when it happens that early, you know, my own 30 or 35 or whatever, and I'm already kicking myself like, fuck, man, I, I ruined the day. I, I really wanted to have a good day out here. I wanted to run a good race and I messed it up. Right, and then you know i i quickly though you know and that's the mental fortitude i've been working on building was able to turn that around and be like nope like i i learned some lessons already today that you know i'm gonna have to wait a while to apply to my next hundred but Uh i can apply them for the rest of today and there's still a lot left in the race and um, I never thought about quitting. I never thought um, that that was going to even be a possibility um, or something that I would end up considering. Okay. Um, but um, just, you know, a little frustrated that I messed up um, from a performance aspect there. Um, and then, yeah, just like really tried to lean into that mindset that, um, you know, no matter how bad things get, they'll always get good, better, and they'll always get good again. And all you got to do is keep moving. So, um, you know, my goal at that point just became, let's just get to Twin Lakes and bleed as little time as I can. And then I'll have a crew there and a lot of different options and a lot of people with experience to help me figure out how to write the ship. So I just, you know, made up my mind, let's just get to Twin Lakes. And, um, and then, um, I, I was struggling to run uphills and flats, but I could run downhills. So I ran that downhill into Twin Lakes really well, which felt great. You know, that, that felt awesome. Um, and gave me, gave me just like a little bit of a shot of confidence. Like, like I've still got it, you know, um, there's a lot left in, in my legs and, um, got down to twin lakes. Very fortunately, um, took a great poop there. Um, <laughs> I know that this is a podcast, but like it's an ultra running podcast. So yeah. Like, that might like, be important to some people. <laughs> that's like, okay to say. Um, well, but yeah, I'd also I'd like to stop you just for a second before that. It's also okay for everybody else listening doing the run to not be running up hills at this point. Okay, go ahead, Drew. 
Yeah, totally. Um, <laughs> yeah, and like most uphills I hike anyway, but there's like some mellow grades in that section that are like, you know, just that annoying grade where you don't want to run, but you know you can. And uh-huh. you yeah, <laughs> that's a great description. <laughs> that's a lot of the Leadville course, to be honest. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> and a lot of ultra running in general. Well, yeah, but we try to serve them both up to you with the climbing and the runnability combined. So. Yeah, yeah, and it's a hell of a combo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and then you know, once I once I made it to Twin Lakes, um, I was I was definitely struggling. I was definitely struggling digestion wise. It's super bloated. Didn't really feel like I could eat anything or I didn't know what to eat. And then that was when a couple of the experienced people in my crew stepped up and were and like tried to figure out, you know, what's going on and how can we fix this? And the biggest answer was that we got the hydration uh, messed up and we needed to get fluids on, not salt. Right. And um, yeah, one of the, um, my, my coach, Anna Mae Flynn from Mountain Endurance Coaching was in Twin Lakes, which is awesome to see her and definitely a shot of confidence and good to lean into her experience. And then mm-hmm. my friend, um, Tessa Chester, um, who's also a very experienced and really good ultra runner, um, was there and, and those two, like, kind of like made the decision on like how to write the ship. Okay. Um, which was rad. And I think that's, that's actually something cool that I just want to like acknowledge and kind of like brag about is like a lot of the really positive influences in my life, especially in my running community and in like my, you know, the people who I have learned a lot from in the running world are women and they're really badass and smart <laughs> yes. and strong women. And, um, yeah, they were key to my success in Leadville. So, uh, big shout out to all the ladies in my life. Um, well, and that's good. Cause just on the other side of the Valley of Leadville, one of the first people to do the bike and the run and the lead man challenge was lead woman, Barb Dolan. And, yeah, Leadville uh, couldn't have been founded more on backs of strong women such as Unsinkable Molly Brown and Baby Doe Taper. So good reverence, Drew. We all agree. Yeah, uh, it's, it's something that I'm proud of in ultra running. Huh? And I think it's an awesome and important thing to acknowledge. Um, something I'm grateful for. Um, so anyhow, Anime and Tessa made the decisions for me and then they kicked me out of the twin lakes aid station (laughs) after i'd been there for too fucking long (laughs) and and they both they both looked at me and they said so go climb hope pass and go have fun um and i think that that was really important because i think that i was taking it a little too seriously getting too caught up in the race and getting you know too focused on you know more than having fun so Mm -hmm. that was a really good message to take from them i really struggled out of the twin lakes aid station i was struggling to run at all 
um, even shuffle through those like two flat miles from Twin Lakes to the bottom of Hope Pass. Oh, yeah. And then I hit Hope Pass and I whipped out my trekking poles and I just rejoiced in the opportunity to <laughs> climb. I was so fucking happy <laughs> to just get to hike steep uphills <laughs> because that's what I'm good at. And I, I honestly, like, I don't think this is hyperbole. I think I must have passed like 80 people on the whole pass climb. Yeah. Like, well, no, I mean, I, I can somewhat relate. I've really been dead and come to life there. And yeah, that can be a death march or a, a resurrection of sorts. Yeah, man. And, and, you know, like, this is something that's so true in, in my life and a lesson that I learned time and time again. But like my connection with the mountains is so deep that when I'm out in the mountains, especially when I get up into the Alpine, my heart is just at home and my heart is smiling. And getting to go up Hope Pass reconnected me with the mountains and you know with a big part of why i do everything i do so like you know on the north side of hope where you're where you like come out and you're following the creek and then you go through like the last couple uh like tree groves you break through that last meadow and then crest over you see the llamas and the lake and then you see mount hope and you're up in the alpine uh-huh. like that was such a beautiful moment for me. And like, I was really fine in my groove right before that. And like the people I was passing, I was just like, you know, trying to like pass on some of the good vibes that I was feeling at that point. I was like, yo, just, just wait, you're going to be so fired up when you see the view. And, and I was just elated. Um, and yeah, just like motored through the Hope Pass aid station and, I I gave out a big old uh, like just holler like a wolf howl, um, just out of elation for being up there. And I know that everybody probably thought I was insane, but um, I was just there to celebrate that connection with the mountains and you know that connection that I had built all summer long and in the spring and like when when we were skiing around Leadville in May, we skied, um, like the biggest, most prominent couloir that comes off that, uh, Northeast face of Mount Hope that we're like, that we're looking straight up at. And so I just like, you know, remembered how fun that day was and, and what, what a cool experience it was to get to ski there and now be running the race there. And it just like, it was just like, I don't know, an injection of like 91 octane into my veins and motored up and, and passed a bunch more people on that, on that last part of the hope climb. And, um, was totally looking out with weather, like, you know, coming into the day with the forecast, there's the worry of, of snow up on hope, and <laughs> really cold rain. And I totally lucked out. I know not everybody else in the race did, but I put on my rain jacket for like 30 minutes on the south side. Had an awesome descent. And oh, also on like the end of that climb on the north side, I uh-huh. linked up with my friend Megan, uh, Megan Flanagan, who was running the race. 
and we just like we just like teamed up and we were like you know both at a similar pace and then we ended up running most of that south side together which was really fun yeah um, yeah so um you know just kind of like getting to lean on other people and connect with you know that community aspect and then for me just connecting with the mountains up on hope getting up in the alpine and and getting back to just having fun like that was that was such a huge like recentering part of the race for me well so yeah it sounds for sure like a lot of a regrounding took place um so you know you roll into winfield and you got to do it again do things start to go bleak again do you keep this positivity do you still have you know company with you what's what's that look like at that point yeah um megan was faster in the winfield aid station than i was i took a little bit of time um especially you know just with the nutrition and hydration things like I wanted to, you know, keep going on a strong foot. So I just took time to make sure that I was putting the right stuff in my vest and whatnot. Uh Um, But I was still motoring and um, I, uh, I wasn't, I wasn't kicking ass and taking names as much on the South side, Um, (laughs) but I was, I was still like in a real good rhythm and and feeling good. Um, And then the coolest part, um, in my opinion about the turnaround and like, seriously, like one of the best parts of my race was the beauty of Leadville being an out and back is that you get to turn around and you get to see everyone. You see literally everyone running the race. And that was so cool for me personally. Like I really just thrived on getting to see everyone. Um, Like certainly saw some friends, but also just like, Every single stranger, every single runner that I passed who was going the other way, and I guess the people who I was passing, like, I, you know, just made sure to say something to them. If it was like, if it was like, good job, keep it up, like, you know, you're doing great. Um, Or like, you know, like, yo, I love your shorts, you know, (laughs) just like, just anything to spread some positive energy because I knew that if I passed on some positive energy, that it was going to create a positive feedback loop for myself and become reciprocal. And that's exactly what it did. Like not just because people would say it back, but like, you know, you just get into that mindset that's so positive. Like it was, you know, the next injection of 91 octane. Like, (laughs) It just, it felt good, man. And, and people are so nice and so supportive of each other out there. So that was really cool. And I, I, um, I saw my friend, Margaret, um, I keep giving all my friends shout outs. Um, keep doing it. (laughs) My friend, um, Margaret spring. And she's also actually a coach with mountain endurance coaching, um, who my coach anime, um, runs that company but um margaret is one of my best friends and definitely my best training partner all summer long so like we were both like running pretty well it was on that uh you know like the two mile um 
annoying section. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> uh, after slash before the South Side of Hope. Um, and we both just stopped and gave each other such a big hug, um, even though we both had our trekking poles out. And, uh, that was that was really cool. Um, that was, you know, that, that epitomized that positive energy cycle. And... Yeah, and then hit the hit the south side of Hope, and settled into a good pace. Um, not not passing as many people at that point, but still just going strong and consistent, and that that's what counts. Um, yeah, for sure. And yeah, just was so happy to be climbing again. And um, <laughs> there there are a lot of people like like man, you're almost there. Like oh we've only got a thousand more feet of climbing. We only got 800 feet more climbing. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, dude, if we could go, if we could just climb the next fucking 45 miles to the finish line, I would be so happy. <laughs> like, like this is what my body knows how to do best. And I feel great doing it. So I don't want this to end. Um, <laughs> A lot of yeah. the rest of your Leadville family does not have this attitude. Oh, I, I know. I was I was made aware of that because I was maybe being too positive to the people around me. <laughs> <laughs> but then I, I linked it back up with Megan. She like hit a wall and I was like, Nope. Get up, we're going. And went over the pass together. And again, even if it annoyed people let out a big old wolf howl and started running down the north side and I was man I was so happy and again just so connected to the mountains and feeling that energy that the mountains exude that you know is a great is a much greater energy force than we have as humans and like i really have a deep spiritual connection with those peaks now and so i'm like running down the north side right well, after creston well let and, me stop you there for a sec i mean we'll get into your day job in a bit but like because of that do you do you think your descending mountains as good as you're climbing them and your abilities just because of how you've grown up and the things you've experienced? Are you running better, better being uh, quicker than the others around you and not taking a real punishment with your quads? Um, I'm definitely like, I'm not going to pump my own tires too hard, but like, I'm pretty good at going up and down in the mountains um and i think a lot of that yeah is like certainly you know just a lifetime spent doing that uh -huh. um but it goes like it goes way beyond running it certainly to skiing but then also um you know it's just like that's how my brother and i played when we were kids yeah we, we just you know we were hiking and climbing mountains and whenever we went on a family hike where we crossed a boulder field my brother and i would you know spend an extra 20 minutes just running around in the boulder field and jumping from boulder to boulder and <laughs> I, so I, I think it's a 
you know, just a lifetime spent in the mountains. And yeah, like it goes deep and <laughs> getting a lean on that. And I think in, in some ways too, it's that opportunity, you know, like my crew reminded me, have fun. And like the mountains connect me to that like deepest sense and most childlike sense of joy. Mm -hmm. Well, okay. So, you know, you're, you're in that joy, you're up and over hope for the second time. You're coming through that marshy plain again. Um, now what's, what's your, uh, race atmosphere like? What's, what's waiting for you at Twin Lakes? Okay, so before that, and I gotta okay. ask you if you've ever if you've ever had somebody say this or say something similar, is uh, like coming over after coming over the top of the pass and running down that north side, like down towards the aid station, still in the Alpine. Um, I I just you know I was feeling all that energy and I sang. Uh, more than the full chorus of uh, It's a Great Day to Be Alive by Travis Tritt. Um, <laughs> so I just went, I just went full commitment to singing a country song <laughs> with all my lungs out there while still running downhill full speed. Um, and, you know, with anything else in life, it doesn't matter if you're a good singer. <laughs> It matters if you commit to singing karaoke, <laughs> and I committed. So, have you ever heard of somebody doing something similar? Well, look, <laughs> I've committed to knocking on heaven's door, going up. Yes, and it was a high school thing of mine, and it used to annoy everybody in my high school class. And half of them are probably <laughs> listening to this, but. Yeah, I committed too. Only I guess you did better because everybody around me let me know my commitments or not. It was bad. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really like have that many people around me at that point. But like, you know, I like, I was kind of like, you know, if you hate this, you can tell me to shut the hell up. <laughs> but like everybody afterwards was like, no, dude, that was, that was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that was the energy I was I had, and you know the opposite of Twin Lakes outbound. Yeah. I came into Twin Lakes inbound, just running really steady on a really positive track, a lot of good energy, um, and yeah, I mean nutrition and hydration. I was doing great, um, and just came into twin legs feeling so good and you know i i got to my crew and like sat down at our tent and i just said i'm back <laughs> like i've got it in me and uh yeah and like that was you know that was the best part of my leadville was getting to go up and over and up and over on hope it was fun well, so, yeah, so what a monumental turnaround. Um, now you're back in all this positivity. Now you're where most people hate climbing because once you get back into twin, you kind of forget that 
you ran down what you're going to take 45 minutes to climb up now. Um, (laughs) But you like that. So do do you take a pacer at this point? Are you alone? And what does that feel like? Once again, does that refill your cup there? And are you on caffeine yet? It's got to be getting closer to dark. Uh, yes, I was on caffeine at that point. I, I started taking on caffeine at Twin Lakes Outbound, actually, when things were going wrong nutrition and hydration-wise. Um, I, I switched to a, um, a really great nutrition plan of um, spring energy and Coca-Cola. Um, and that's almost it. <laughs> <laughs> So for like the last 62 miles of the whole race, I was, um, I had one flask of Coca-Cola and one flask of water, (laughs) (laughs) um, just like 50, 50, the whole rest of the race. So yes, I was taking on a lot of caffeine and it was working. Um, yeah. And then I did, I wasn't planning to take on a pacer, but my friend Tessa stepped up and, went with me out of twin lakes which was awesome yeah what a great pacer (laughs) yeah she's such a badass she's such a good runner and it was kind of funny because it's like she's like an elite ultra runner and i think she like maybe forgot that i'm not so elite um (laughs) because she was like um she just like immediately switched into the mode where she's like all right we got that next runner up ahead. I want you to take on some fuel right now. Get your breath under control because once we get 20 feet behind him, we're going to pass them with authority. <laughs> like, don't give them any reason to hope. And I'm like, uh, like, okay, but like, like, I'm not trying to win this. Like, <laughs> um, but I, I still am a competitive person. So we, we passed with authority and gave them no hope. Um, <laughs> that's the only way to do it drew <laughs> yep um I, I guess that was the end of the positive energy loop that i was trying to create well, no you can still put the energy out just don't let them catch it that's all right <laughs> <laughs> no obviously we're still being nice to everyone and like people are passing us too it's oh like yeah we were just going through the field but um yeah um that climb was good but then definitely um definitely hit my next wall you know like i like i was saying with the less smooth impermanence like no matter how good things get they're always going to get bad again well so so where's this wall because you're talking past points that most people are having bad walls where's where's your next bad wall it's probably about uh let's let's say it's uh somewhere around mile 68 but uh maybe not as far as mile 70 yeah uh mile 69 if you will um no i'm not i'm not sure exactly but i just wanted to say that but it was probably around mile 69 um (laughs) but just like man like the day just like really started to catch up to me um started to get go into a lot of pain okay and started really slowing down and it was really hard to move with any good pace um 
yeah um that's when like the real pain started coming in and um i was glad that i had tessa with me to you know like stay stay focused and and keep the drive up as things started getting really bad again and um yeah we we like got into this kind of like mode um and kept it up with my other two pacers where my pacer would go like 30 feet or so in front of me Uh um like far enough that i could hear them um and far enough like uh close enough i could hear them but far enough away that like i couldn't really say much to them and i couldn't (laughs) complain yeah and like didn't really have the choice to like make them slow down okay just like you know just to like keep going and um yeah i remember telling tess i'm like don't don't let me walk (laughs) a single step toward a half pipe and i was only for like i don't know a mile and a half or something but i was in such a messed up amount of pain but it was just like let's just let's lock in and keep this going and um i mean honestly the things things never got really good again like (laughs) i went in waves but like i was i was pretty messed up from that point on i was in a lot of pain and you know that's when it hits like that's when it's supposed to hit if you're running 100 miles yeah and that like last 30 miles of the race was rough right yeah so uh yeah and that's you know you talk about giving all these ladies shout outs i always tried to use ladies as pacers because it wouldn't give me the opportunity to be as rude if i wanted to be a gentleman (laughs) so (laughs) that always worked pretty good for me too nice that's good yeah and you know tessa did an awesome job and then she got me all the way to outward bound um well, uh, so is it know, daylight there yet? Is it dark at that time for you? Um, it was it was dark at that point in time. Um, this fiery moon, I'm not positive what times we're talking about sure. around there. But yeah, it was dark at that point, um, starting to get kind of late in the night. And um, that like, man, that, that section just like, half pipe to outward down it's like so flat and normally so runnable uh-huh. and that was the section too where i was with tessa and it was just like we're we're fucking running this like don't let me walk and yeah it just kept going and the only times that i took steps to walk were when i thought i was gonna puke and it was just dry heaving um which you know normally sounds worse than puking but it's better in ultra running. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, just ran every step and um, got to outward bound. And then she passed me off to my friend Connor, um, Connor Ryan, who ran the um, Silver Rush 50. Yeah. Um, really good friends with him. And um, and then that next, that next section – you know, it's full full nightfall at this point. Um, we were conscious that it could start getting cold, so I put on tights at that point and like just to keep my power heat. line and sugar loaf. Yeah, um, we were worried that maybe there'd be some rain or just you know if temps drop too much, yeah. like just try to keep all my joints warm 
Um, that was something I learned from uh, the I Am Tough 100. And um, and Connor and I went out of Outward Bound, and then we're, like, running over. You know, we're on the road going past the fish hatchery. And I'm talking to him out loud about doing the math of making it in under 25 hours. Mm-hmm. And, like, just doing all the mental math. I know the distance is by heart after training on the course all summer. I know those sections really well. And I'm like, okay, like this, and just kind of like work backwards from the finish and then work forwards where we're from where we were and, you know, see what kind of times we were looking at. I was like, okay, we can do this. But like, I know that this is the section for me to put in good time on. And we got to, we got to fucking go to, make it under 25 hours and i think it was i want to say you know it's a few months removed so hopefully my memory is still accurate but i think it was 47 minutes um like when you get off the road to the top of power line mm-hmm. and we just we just cooked on that climb again um and like cook by cooked i mean like my like fucked up self as fast as i could go so like still not fast but um we were passing people we were hunting headlamps and you know same thing i just i told connor i'm like when we're on this climb go ahead of me and if we hit you know a 10 foot section that's that's a mellow enough grade that i should be running it tell me and you know just shuffle those few extra steps just to go a little faster and yeah motored over that went through space camp um, <laughs> I, I guess I was early enough that things weren't like that crazy there. Um, <laughs> I, I wasn't offering anything but, you know, cheers and normal aid station stuff. Yeah, so. you got there too early. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, and then, you know, going down the backside of Powerline was kind of tough in the dark and just like with things just like my whole body stiffening up was difficult um and and that ct section was like really muddy and wet and sloppy and tough to make good time on but yeah made it into may queen um i think like maybe like 15 minutes ahead of like what my goal time was to make it under 25. Okay. And we just like made it into May Queen and we we got in there and I think it was seven minutes. It was like, all right, Connor's starting a timer for seven minutes. That's when we're leaving. Like, let's, you know, do what we got to do to get me to the finish line. My crew was fucking awesome. They were like, funny story about my crew is they were like all supposed to like take shifts and like some of them were supposed to, um, you know, like go to bed, uh-huh. and go sleep, yeah. And and like everyone was just like, no, we're fucking in it, <laughs> and like everyone was rallying. So like at that point, it's oh man, probably around like twelve thirty or one a.m. or something. Yeah, uh, yeah, and everyone's just rallying and and supporting me and. Um, and that was cool. And then, um, I know I'm giving you like a ton of word vomit right now. So no, I'm asking for it, but yeah. Um, and then 
from May Queen to the finish, which was really cool. Um, my older brother paced me. And I uh, was very happy to get to share that experience with him. Um, you know, especially at that point, I was really, really struggling. I was in a lot of pain. Things yeah. were getting really hard. And there's nothing like a brother's love. So getting to share that with him meant the world. And, um, you know, I, I say that in hindsight, but like in the moment, like we chatted for like the first, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes or something. And then I was like, yo, Grant, I'm like, I'm too fucked up right now to keep talking. Like, uh-huh. you can talk all you want, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to reply at all anymore. <laughs> like, I just got to focus on where I'm putting my feet. Right. <laughs> yeah. But like throughout, you know, once I started picking up pacers and, and that last 30 miles when things were really, really painful, I like, I checked in with myself. I have a deep relationship with my body and I checked in with what was going on. And I was like, you know, I don't think that I'm doing any long-term damage right now. Like it doesn't feel like I'm doing something with any joints or, you know, ligaments. Like, yeah, like things are getting really painful. And I did have like some sharp pain in my left ankle. I rolled it a little bit going through that, uh, uh, like farm field of, roll your ankle holes and uh-huh. <laughs> outward bound. Yeah. And, and that was screaming at me, but it's like, you know, whatever. It's uh it's an ankle. I know that it's not like that bad. Um, but I could tell that most of the pain was probably muscular. So I was just like, that's, that's all good. Pain's just a sensation. I'm not doing long-term damage. I'm going to keep going. And, and through that whole like last 30 miles when things were really tough, um, I just, you know, maybe I let people in a little bit, but I tried really hard to not voice my pain unless I, you know, had to or had to ask for something to, um, you know, with my pacers because I just, you know, didn't want to, didn't want to give it any power over me. Right. And I just leaned into it and kept going, and uh, yeah. And that was that's that was definitely the mentality in that in that last section, May Queen to the finish. And <laughs> man, yeah, just like getting to team up with my brother with that goal of like we are we are getting that big belt buckle, you know, <laughs> come come hell or high water, like we're gonna fucking do this, and yeah, and we made it happen. Um, that was. That was a grind in that last section, but, um, yeah, <laughs> man, um, you got any follow-up on that or should we dive into the finish and the hug that we got to share? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, we can go ahead and dive right into that too. Uh, absolutely. What was that moment coming across that line like for you? Oh, man, just like that, <laughs> you know? When you like turn on the sixth ab and you still got like three quarters of a mile or so, like definitely starting to feel some of the 
emotion, but like more than anything, like just like, oh my God, yes, like this is finally gonna be over. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And just like, that was a really painful last three quarters of a mile, but like I was still able to like shuffle into this kind of ugly jog run and (laughs) it felt really good to, you know, still have that in me and be able to push into that pain and i remember coming up like as you start to get into the finisher shoot and my uh something that i think is really cool that you guys do at leadville is that anyone's are allowed to run with you yeah on on sixth ave so um with my and i'm like choking up thinking about this um (laughs) with my brother um then also um my friend connor joined um who had been pacing me um and then my friend teague joined um who'd been crewing me all day long and um and teague um teague was coming teague's coming back from uh two broken ankles both feet and a bunch of surgeries and this is the second time he ran on him and, and ran that last bit with me on the road, which meant a lot. And then, um, and then my girlfriend, Caroline. Yeah. Who's my biggest supporter and getting to run in with them was so cool. And what's funny though, is coming into the finisher shoot, even though like I had all them with me and, you know, we were real deep in a really long day. Like, <laughs> I was like, man, like at the year prior at my hundred, I, I cried. I cried so much at the finish. And, and then coming into the finisher shoot at Leadville, I did have the conscious thought, like, dude, I don't, I don't think I'm going to cry. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just want to be done. And cross the line. And just immediately, the tears started flowing, and yeah, just immediately got to hug my girlfriend, and just I think the beauty of crossing the finish lines that I finally got to feel everything that. I experienced and that I was feeling and navigating for a hundred miles and obviously way more than just what I experienced in the 24 hours and 32 minutes prior. But you know, everything in life, it's just this culmination of getting to feel it all, all at once. And that's why I broke into tears and then, uh, you know, um, your dad, I guess, normally gives most people their buckles and, and, uh, he handed it off to you and said, no, someone else is going to give it to you. And yeah, it was awesome to, you know, get that from you and get to share a big old hug right at the finish. Yeah, they're, thank you. That's very humbling. They're, they're extremely extremely special moments um so and then i want to dig deeper um 
but we're not going to do that just quite yet. Now, also, before we go on, uh, tell us a little bit about this uh, film project also going along through your whole battle. Yeah. Um, and it's a good time to talk about it at the finish. Um, yeah, so I've been working on this film project this year. Um, the year prior, I um, I made this ski film titled Ups and Downs, and it's a... It's a very raw expose of my personal mental health journey. And I mirror the ups and downs of ski touring um, with the ups and downs of life and of, you know, some really deep trials and tribulations um, on my mental health journey. And um, I'm making another film in that vein. Um, But the... The, I guess, frame that I'm working on in this film is last spring, um, mostly in May, um, I skied a bunch of the peaks surrounding the Leadville course. And before we go on, what's your day job? Oh, my, my day job is a professional skier. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's Honestly, it's just really fun to get to say that's my day job. It's really fun to hear it, too, Drew. <laughs> so thanks for that. <laughs> um, yeah, and, you know, so that's, I think that's, you know, my normal mode of transportation in the mountains all winter, and I guess that's how people know me. Um, but, um, yeah, getting to ski all those peaks around Leadville is really cool, and then, of course, running the hundred in August, um, and getting to deepen my relationship with the mountains through that, um, is the frame that we're telling this story through in the film. And, um, so weaving those together and we're using the primarily the story arc of the race to tie in, um, some threads of mental health, um, anecdotes and lessons, uh-huh. um, and yeah, you know, like I said, perfect timing to ask about that um, with the finish because you know I had um, I had my film crew at the finish, which is really cool. Um, my friend Jesse, who I'm working on it with, built really deep, awesome friendship with him. Um, getting to work on this together, um, he was right there, and. Um, I guess everybody listening to this will get to see that part in the film. Um, But certainly a key part of the experience um, for me and for the film. Well, and then also just since we're here, you know, um, that's how I met you, this professional skier with this big story of mental illness uh, that, that you're taking control over, that you're battling this demon with every day. And and you spoke of this first movie. Um, tell them what that title is again, where they can find it, just so that they can get a refresh. Yeah, um, the name of that film is Ups and Downs. And you can search Drew Peterson Ups and Downs on Google or YouTube, and it'll come up. It's on Solomon TV's YouTube page. Or if you go to drew-peterson.com, the film lives on my website. And, yeah, it'll it'll tell you a lot about me. 
that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. And then also, you know, if you haven't, you know, please revisit the first episode with Drew Peterson on this podcast, as it will also help with some of that information. Um, also, in that episode, we talk about if someone's having trouble, uh, where can they turn to get help if they too are lost or feeling hopeless. Once again, I'd like you to refresh our audience, our family members, Drew, on where they can go if if they're feeling that way. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, it's it's why I do all of what I do. It's why I talk about mental health prominently. It's it's why I go all the way deep to talk about my struggles with suicidal thoughts and and what that really looks like is because I want to help other people. I want to make people feel less alone and you know keep people on this planet who are struggling like I did. Mm-hmm. And um, you know. Hopefully, you know, if you go watch the film, that'll help you feel seen. Um, As far as resources for people who are struggling or would like to help a friend or loved one, um, you can go to my website, drew-peterson.com slash ups and downs. And there's a mental health resources tab on that site um, that I have a whole breadth of different resources and and i built that page because for me like when i would you know like listen to a podcast you know like this that mentions mental health or watch a film or read a story there's always you know this little disclaimer at the end that says um you know if you're struggling um you can call the suicide hotline at this number um which is a great resource um but it's one resource and it always left me feeling kind of abandoned and more isolated for that to be the only thing there. Um, so yeah, I wanted to create something with more resources and the suicide hotlines on there and I go into what happens when you call a suicide hotline, because that was always my apprehension, not really knowing what happens on the other side or, you know, what the repercussions would be. And there really are no, repercussions necessary it's it's just an opportunity it's a resource for anybody um you don't have to be suicidal you don't have to be in a severe crisis to use it um and i wish that i you know had had a resource that was telling me that really plainly when i could have been using it so mm-hmm. yeah that's why i made that resources page so that's at drew-peterson.com slash ups and downs um if anybody is looking for anything of that flavor it goes into a bunch of other resources too um yeah so thanks for letting me plug that to cole because that's important well yeah it's it's very important it's a very very hard subject to tackle and i just thank you and and being so willing and open to discuss it i'd actually like to dig a little further there now too on you know i know you seemed very confident and strong with me before this race um what were these demons like on race day uh were you taking on a mental battle during this experience did this experience put that more at bay what was that part of your being like yeah it's the mental side is equal to the physical side of why i do all of this and you know 
I, I guess for something that can be captured in a podcast for the listeners, like my my why of why I was running Leadville um, was when I was struggling and when I was um, at my deepest and lowest points, um, when I was suicidal um, and like very close to taking my own life, one of the few things that I was able to call on um, most days, but not all days, was just telling myself, if I can make it through this, you know, if I can get out of bed right now, if I can, if I can survive today and, and wake up again tomorrow, then I can do absolutely anything. I can climb any mountain, I can ski any line, and I can run 100 miles. Yeah. And that, you know, that goal um, kept me going. And I uh, I got to, you know, celebrate that by running Leadville. <laughs> and, like, you know, so, like, going in, like, with that as my why and as my motivation, like, that's also why, like, I never thought about quitting. Like, that wasn't an option for me. Right. Like, as you know, that's what kept me going, and and uh, and I thought a lot while I was out there, you know, about the pain that I felt and leaning on that pain to help me get through the physical pain that I was feeling, and I thought a lot too about all the other people out there who have been through those struggles, and a lot of the people who I've had the opportunity to connect with, and the people who have sent me messages you know, in the past year, thanking me for being open and helping them feel seen and the the strength that all those people have. And that that strength and, and you know, really, really turning that, that source of pain and struggle into a source of strength and gratitude and celebration for getting to run 100 miles is what got me through it. It's what me, got me putting one foot in front of the other. And it's why I cried so much at the finish line. And it's why all those hugs meant so much, you know? Yeah. That's, that's a huge part of what it's all about for me. Where, where do you think you met your lowest point out there that day? Um, that, that early low, I think I was the hardest on myself about, but, um, oh man, honestly, like that whole last 30 miles was really painful and really tough. Um, (laughs) that section, that section inbound from half pipe to outward bound, was like a really messed up amount of pain. Yeah. With that being a flat section, <laughs> and forcing myself to run it, even though it was slow, that was that was probably the the true like 
I don't know. I don't know if it even makes sense to call it a low. Like, I think that in the traditional sense, yes, it was like the lowest low of the race, but I think it was just like the deepest experience of the race. That's very well said. Well, so on the flip side of that coin, aside from the finish, what do you think your highest high was out there that day? Oh, hope pass. <laughs> okay, yeah, I thought you, after our discussion earlier, I kind of felt that one coming. Yeah, I was singing a country song <laughs> on hope pass. Yeah, and getting a, getting a look around at the peaks and, and soaking <laughs> the connection I have with them. That's definitely the high. Okay. Well, so now that you've tasted success, that you yourself has struck your own gold out there, what would your suggestion be to your Leadville family members to get them to their line this summer? Go out way, 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 way slower than you think. (laughs) (laughs) Just like everyone told me and I told myself. Um, but I didn't do. Um, <laughs> yeah, honestly, go way slower than you think. But um, on a, you know, there's a there's a ton of advice out there. There's there's coaches. There's people with way more experience than me that are gonna be great resources for everything about the actual running of the race and about Leadville and the course. But I guess my advice is make up your mind ahead of time that you're going to make it to the finish line. Now that's really good. Don't, don't leave it to be anything that has a question mark, like make it a period and don't leave any space for it to be a decision during the race. Have already made the decision that you're making it to the finish line because you can and you will. And, you know, the, the other lesson, I guess, is what I've shared a couple times through this is that lesson of impermanence is just like, no matter how bad things get, they'll always get better. And in ultra running, that might take 30 miles for something to get better, but it will get better. And the flip side is also true that no matter how bad, no matter how good things get, they'll always get bad again and always get worse. And I think that that side is just as important because you can't, you can't cling to or grip too tightly to when things are going well in your race. Like it's a hundred miles, but you're going to navigate everything throughout and you're going to navigate everything multiple times. And yeah, you know, like I got too serious and too focused, but keep having fun and stay in the moment because that's how you get through um, everything that comes your way. Okay. Now, has this uh, sparked you to want to come back, do other endurance events, or is this still too soon? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I knew I knew as soon as I was like, it became apparent that I kind of fucked up on that first, you know, third of the race i was like oh man i gotta i gotta apply these lessons to my next hundred i gotta come back to red builder on this again and 
Oh yeah. Real early in the race. I, I knew for sure. I probably knew before that I'd run Leadville again. Um, I don't think I'm going to run Leadville next summer. Um, I want to, you know, widen my experience. Yeah. Breaks and, are good. You know, <laughs> oh, it's, it's not a break. Um, <laughs> it's just to go run something else. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I mean, you, you always need a, a break from the last event for a different event. It's more the the way I yeah, see that. Exactly. <laughs> like I, um, you know, no offense to you guys, um, <laughs> but I want to go. I, I want to go run a hundred um, with some more vert in it, um, so that I can you know climb more. <laughs> well, yeah, no, that's our story. You looking at Hard Rock? You looking at UTMB? What are you looking at? Uh, well, I just struck struck out in the in the Hard Rock Lottery and the Western States Lottery, so those are off the table for this year, um, as expected, because they're so hard to get into. Yes, they take a bit of time. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm gonna enter the lottery for High Lonesome. Okay. Um, you know, keep deepening that connection with the Salwatch. Um, you know, we'll see if that happens this year. If not, <laughs> I'll just be one one year older when it does, or whatever. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure. I was looking at the Whistler Alpine Meadows 100. It's okay. got 29k avert in yeah. it, um, which I think would be a huge challenge. But also, you know, get to lean into that strength of mine a little more. Yeah. Uh, which I think would be fun. So, yeah, we'll see. I'm trying to figure out what I want to run next summer. Um, definitely another hundred. But I also think I might listen to some people who are smarter than me and run some shorter distances to build more experience. Um, <laughs> and I, I, uh, I'm, I'm really glad that I like committed so much to like that primary goal of training for Leadville this past summer. Um, but I also just want to make sure that next summer I have maybe just like more holes in my training calendar where I can go, you know, just on like a long like adventure run in the mountains or go on like a really long and slow ridge traverse and um you know make sure that i'm just still connecting with um that side of myself you know that connection with the mountains uh-huh. more so than more so than just training and you know just chasing races yeah you're keeping it fun and happy yeah and you know races do that too um but you know, gotta gotta uh, fill up the heart in in as many ways as possible. Well, yes, you do. So on to the important stuff. What are you doing with that silver and gold buckle of yours? Oh man, I, I just gotta say for the listeners who don't have a big buckle and <laughs> have not seen one in person, like these things are real big. <laughs> <laughs> And like that's not like me trying to brag. That's just like acknowledging that. Um, but I've been wearing it. Um, obviously, I, I put it on my belt right away. Um, not meant to just be, you know, propped up. Nope. On a shelf somewhere. Um, so I put it on my belt right away, and I've been wearing it um, like whenever I need, you know, kind of a boost of confidence. <laughs> Um, like one of the one of my other jobs is public speaking on mental health and suicide 
And so, like, before speak for speaking gigs, I've been wearing my belt buckle, um, just, like, as a good confidence boost, you know, before going to talk about hard things in front of a bunch of people. Uh-huh. Um, but uh funny thing is last week I was at this um, speaking event. I was at a fundraiser for a mental health nonprofit. Um, and it was, like, a panel discussion. And we were sitting on couches. And that <laughs> buckle, like, it's so hard to sit with. Because it, like, it, like, you know, gets in the way. It does get in the way. <laughs> you got to, like, resituate it and, like, fold your pants. Like, yes, you do. It's pretty funny. Yeah. So, so that's what I've been up to with the buckle. Okay, that sounds perfect. Once again, I think you've topped all other answers on that subject at this point. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's, it's fun to get to wear it and I don't know, I don't really show it off that much, but it's good for a, you know, personal shot of confidence. Yeah. It's, it's good for the id, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, what do you think of today when you hear the word Leadville? Ah, man, very special place in my heart. Amazing community. A very full and vibrant chapter, and 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 yeah, just era area of life. Um, you know, geographically, I've been through Leadville a few times since, and like my relationship with Leadville's, you know, changed forever. Like, I'll never drive past Sixth and Harrison the same again. And I'll always look at Hope Pass every time that I go through the Sawatch, every time I'm up in the Sawatch on those peaks. Like, yeah. So when I think of Leadville now, I just have a very special place in my heart that feels very full. Well, you're a very special soul, and we are very thankful you came over the pass and uh, joined our family. Um <sighs> Before I let you go, is there anything else you want to share today? Um, I, I hope you're okay with me saying this. Um, I, uh, you know, that film project I'm working on has yeah. turned into a real passion project. Yeah. I haven't been able to get any brands to help fund it. Um, you know, uh, brands are kind of nervous to talk about mental health, which I understand. But, you know, if anybody out there is listening, um, like, I'm all ears, or if you're a brand who would be interested in something like that, like, go watch my other film, Ups and Downs. It's um, It's been amazingly well-received. So I hope you're okay with me plugging that. Oh, um, uh, Drew, I'm absolutely okay. That's very serious. Um, maybe I can even tie this into my intro, but... Yes, if you are someone that can support Drew, wants to support Drew, and has a means to support Drew, by God, your Leadville family thinks you should do so. <laughs> well, thanks, Cole. And, you, you know, there's there's a lot of marketing value in it, but, you know, the, the intrinsic motivation is because it's going to help more people. So, um, yeah, um, I guess that's what I wanted to share. And um, while I'm not running Leadville <laughs> next summer... Um, which honestly like is like kind of like 
a little bit heartbreaking to say because I really would love to, but <laughs> the body can only run so many hundreds uh-huh. um, every year. Um, and um, but I'm gonna be back. Um, I I hope that it's back to pace my friend Tessa who paced me this past year. Um, but I'm gonna be back at Leadville, and I hope that I get to be there, especially for the hundred for many summers to come. Um, whether it's crewing, pacing, or running. Well, yeah, you you come be there and you come say hi to me. Oh, most definitely. And thank you to you and thank you to your family and thanks to the Leadville family for welcoming me in. And um, Yeah, I guess just one last shout-out to, um, i like to say, thanks to my crew because <laughs> ultra running is a team sport. Um, yeah, thanks to my crew um, and my pacers, my coach, anime Flynn and a huge high five to everybody else who was out there on the course to everybody who finished, who didn't finish everyone who kicked my ass, everyone who we got to, you know, share a high five or a shout, or if you had to listen to me sing, um, it was awesome to be a part of that positive energy force. So yeah. Thanks Cole. Thank you so much, Drew. Well, there you have it, Leadville family. That was uh, supposed to be a 30-minute recap with Drew on how his race went as a follow-up from his first episode. And here we are three times that amount of time later. I'm still reeling from his energy. What an epic conversation. Thank you so much, Drew. I hope that you all go see his video on YouTube, Drew Peterson, Ups and Downs. Uh, Go check out his website. Once again, if you're uh, of the ability to help with sponsorship of his video project, get in touch with myself or Drew, and either one of us will will be happy to talk to you. Um, Once again, please don't forget to give us a like and subscribe wherever you're getting your podcasts. As always, we can't wait to see you at home. We can't wait to see you in Leadville.